Dr. Amy King, otherwise known as Dr. Amy, and this podcast is the most important medicine. If you are a physician or healthcare provider, this podcast is for you. This is where we learn about trauma-informed medicine and ways to build resilience in healthcare organizations. We do this through your stories and the stories of other professionals and patients. We listen to each other to transform medicine with compassion and curiosity about what it means to be a trauma-informed practice or provider. Every time you join me, I want you to learn practical information and lead with tangible tools that you can use right away. If you are a nurse, by the way, you should go to rnegade.pro and get credits just for listening today. Um, We are in our three-part series around how I talk with clients and patients about trauma, resilience, and today specifically, I'm going to talk a little bit about love and attachment. I'm sure you've all heard the phrase, you have to love yourself before you can love someone else or before someone else can love you. Well, that's not actually true in my opinion. Um, I'm going to debunk that myth today. So I'm going to tell you three reasons why I think the phrase, you have to love yourself before you can love someone else isn't actually true. And if I've done my job, then you'll flip that script to realize you must experience love from others before you can truly love. All right, let's dive in. So the number one reason that phrase, you have to love yourself before you can love someone else is not true is because we learn to love by being loved. What if I told you, right? You're all healthcare providers. What if I told you that you could only be a surgeon if you had already practiced surgery, if you already knew how to do a complete knee replacement? Or what if I told you that you could prescribe medicine, but you also have to already understand pharmacokinetics without any kind of class or course? You should just know that. That would be absurd, right? I mean, in medical school, you use the methodology of see one, do one, teach one. That's what you learn. So what would that be like with love? It means you have to see it. It has to be modeled to you. You have to see it in your caregiver environment. You have to see it in your school. You have to have someone who's talking about it, maybe reading stories about it in books when you're little and being encouraged to play, but you're seeing what love looks like. Then you have to do it. You have to be in safe, nurturing relationships with caregivers who are are well attuned to you and to your needs. They're helping you co-regulate so that you can learn what it means to have someone anticipate your needs, be in sync with you, respond to you, take care of you when you're sad or upset, and just love you like crazy, love you unconditionally, regardless of your behavior. So you have to see it and you have to do it. And this is very important with love and relationships. You have to be able at some point as a person to have experienced love, seen it and practice it so much that when you see it in another relationship or in a future relationship or in a partner, in in a peer, in a friend, you go, ah, that's it. There's love. That's a healthy version of love. Otherwise, we start to confuse it with a lot of other things, right? We might confuse it um, through addiction, through unhealthy coping mechanisms, Um, If it's taught to us in unhealthy ways, we'll just continue to model unhealthy relationships later in life. So I guess, you know, if we went along with what I think is a false statement, you have to, you know, love yourself before you can love someone else, you're going to 
potentially model a lot of, you know, not so healthy love patterns. So what I'd rather we embrace is you actually have to experience love. You have to learn to love by being loved. So again, you have to see it, you have to do it. All right. The second reason I think this is false, um, that you have to love yourself before you can love someone else, is that we're actually hardwired to love. And it's taught to us. It is taught to us through, first of all, attachment, right? So well, or what we call securely attached children um, with organized secure attachment are emotionally regulated. They tolerate distress well. They, They have some flexibility and they can control their impulses. They build trust and empathy within a supportive relationship. But that's not guaranteed. That's not guaranteed for all kids. I mean, a lot of you are listening saying like, I don't know that I have that growing up. In fact, a large percentage of our population have organized but insecure attachments. They often feel anxious or avoidant when attaching to others. They they either feel like they have to kind of almost be with that person all the time and um, constantly seeking out that relationship, or they're almost avoidant as if their love needs might not be met. When in actuality, what we really desire is an organized, secure attachment pattern. Um, And that's taught through what we call SSNRs, safe, stable, nurturing relationships. So, you know, what I said before about, you know, kids that are securely attached have emotion regulation and distress tolerance. Well, we learn that. We learn that love. It's taught to us through things like co-regulation, right? When you're a baby and you cry, someone picks you up, um, you, you feel like you're attended and attuned to by your primary caregiver. They anticipate some of your needs, whether it be love needs or cuddling needs or physical needs or eating or sleeping needs. It's also modeled to us, right? The only way we learn those coping tools that we see through securely attached individuals is if there's been modeling of positive coping tools, right? If all we've ever seen is yelling, screaming, fighting, hitting, hurting in response to stress, then we will grow up to yell and hit and hurt and fight. But if we see patience, problem solving, thoughtful provocations, um, you know, being able to speak to someone without high levels of conflict, then we learn more positive coping tools. We learn that it's okay to have a need and ask for that need to be met and know that our primary caregiver will do that. We also learn that love through positive discipline, right? We learn that it's okay to make mistakes, that in fact, mistakes are a normal part of development and healthy part of development that our caregiver is going to respond appropriately. And there may be, you know, some natural consequences for decisions that we make, but that love relationship is never taken away, right? The love is never withdrawn. So it encourages this environment of, you know, we're going to make mistakes. We may have ruptures and we'll always have repairs. And finally, that love is learned and taught to us, not through, not just through our primary caregivers, but through a whole village of people who love us no matter what. Um, in a future episode, I think we'll dive into what I call these circles of support. It really is a resilience building tool where we look at an entire village for people and how we build that out to create love and connection. But I guess what I'm saying is 
even though we may be hardwired to attach to our primary caregiver, we actually learn whether that can be a secure or insecure um, uh, attachment pattern through these safe, stable, nurturing relationships, through those defined attachment patterns. And so again, I'm going to argue that we actually love because we first experience love. Okay, finally, we have to experience love in order to love others. We have to know what it feels like, right, internally for our own safety experience, modeling, and integration. So for instance, safety, right, I have to know that I can go to my caregiver or as an adult to my partner and know that like I could have an express need and they'll hear me, they'll meet that need without condemnation, without hurt, um, without harm. Otherwise, why would I take the risk? Why would I duplicate, you know, what might be otherwise unhealthy patterns of attaching and relating? I might just kind of stay closed off and closed up because love and relationships don't feel safe. Next, we have to experience those loving relationships and not just one, but many early and often. We know that the sooner we intervene with kids with healthy, supportive, safe, stable, nurturing relationships, the better kids look. And so we want to just marinate that kid in love early and often. They want to, we want them to experience love so that they know what that safety feels like. It has to be modeled again from moms and dads and grandparents and caregivers and teachers and uh, physicians and other safe, stable adults. When we see it again, I want someone to be able to go, oh, that's love. That feels safe. And finally, we have to integrate it, right? We have to practice it in our relationships. We Kids do that through play. Adults do that, do that through some dating and self-reflection. And if you're like me, probably lots of therapy too. But we learn how to integrate by co-regulating and being in relationship with other. So let's go back. I feel like you all are familiar with this myth that you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. And what I'm saying is that is just essentially not true. You actually have to experience love and know love before you can love anybody else. At least if we want that to look healthy and strong and stable. And we do that because we learn how to love by being loved. We're hardwired to love, but we have to accept that it is taught to us in safe, stable relationships. And finally, we have to experience that love early and often in our relationships. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, You can message me on LinkedIn, on Instagram at Dr. Amy LLC. Um, Hit me up and tell me your thoughts on this. Disagree. I love having conversations about attachment and healthy relationships and love relationships. Um, but I hope what you take away today is a little bit, maybe even a validation of like, oh, maybe some of the reasons that I haven't understood love or relationships in a way I'd like to is because I keep being told that I have to love myself first, but how am I going to do that if I never experienced it? So I hope it feels validating and supported. Uh, We'll talk soon. Well, that's it, friends. If you like what you're hearing in this space, I invite you to join us in the Provider Lounge, a learning collaborative to build resilience. It's an incredible group of physicians who meet monthly, get CME, and lean into conversations about trauma, resilience, and other tough topics. This is the most important medicine. 
Keep listening to other people's stories and let them transform you and keep sharing your own because your humanity will heal others. We'll talk soon.